Hello, you're listening to episode 5 of the Genealogy Cafe podcast. I'm your host, Peter Berry. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about my current research projects. Before I begin this episode, I'd like to thank two of my Genealogy Cafe members for their encouragement and support. Firstly, thanks to Ken. I helped Ken untangle some complications in part of his ancestry a while ago, and he's recently made some very kind comments about the service that I offered. Secondly, thanks to Chris. She's a fellow genealogist who lives in Queensland, Australia. Chris has helped me reflect on what I want to do with Genealogy Cafe, and her recent comments have led directly to me restarting my podcast today, and that's made a real difference as well to how I feel about my genealogy work. Since leaving my full-time job in 2019, I've completed 32 research projects for my customers. Most of them involve me in researching the customer's whole family history from scratch, and I typically build their ancestry as far as people who were born in the late 18th century and produce a report that's usually between 30 and 40 pages long. Some other projects give me a different challenge, and so it is with my workload today, and that's what I'm going to talk about in this episode. I'm currently working on six main projects, and in in addition to that, on a handful of other smaller pieces of work. Here's the list. Project number one is for Anne. Anne is a customer that I've done work for in the past, over the past couple of years. Currently, for a while in fact, I've been working on her, her mother's ancestry, which is largely Irish. This has been a challenge. I have found doing research in Ireland harder than doing research in England, Wales and Scotland, if I'm honest. I think that's because partly I'm, I'm less familiar with the sources that I'm using, the websites and so on, and finding the right websites for the information I want has been a challenge. Also, I know it's a truism, if you like, that the Irish uh, records are less, well, less, there's less preserved than there is in the English equivalent uh, times. For example, there's very little census information. Only the 1901 and 1911 censuses survive for Ireland on the whole. And even birth and marriage and death records are quite hard to find. Now, it might be that I'm making mistakes. If anybody out there is listening and saying, oh, Irish research is dead easy, you just need to know how to do it, then please get in touch and give me a lesson or two on on that because I could use some help. I am making progress on Anne's project, but it is quite hard going compared with my usual work. I'm also working on her husband's ancestry uh, more recently. And a few weeks ago, he turned up at my door. He's now local to me with a big envelope stuffed full of family documents, uh, birth, marriage, death certificates mostly, but also some other material. And it, it was it's a real joy. I'd already done some research on the, on the ancestry before that arrived. But it's a real joy to spill those papers out on the desk here, to start sifting through them, working out what I can use, what I can't, or what I don't need to use, comparing the information on there with what I've already researched, making sure I was consistent. It's lovely to get that kind of material from a customer because it adds so much. And I can include photographs of a lot of that material in the final report, which again, as I say, would be 30 to 40 pages long. Customer number two currently is Barbara. In fact, um, I've been doing a house history for Barbara. I'm not going to give you all the detail because of the reason that Barbara's asked me to to do the work. But on and off through lockdown, really, for most of the last year, I've been working on this house history for a house in Northumberland, which is northeast England, local to me. And 
while I've done some work which is similar to genealogy work, so I've looked at the censuses and documented who and traced through from the 1840s through to the 1939, so for roughly a 100-year period, who lived and worked there, mostly they're farming people. But I've also been, gone back to history books and back to other sources. One in particular is Google Books. I don't know if there's something that you, as my listener, have come across, but Google Books is one of those places online, not the only one, but you can go to where you can get information, you can search for information from unpublished books or other out-of-print books, very old books typically. And I found that really useful for early history, American history that I've done on some other projects, but also for early UK information. Project number three, or customer number three, is Mark. Mark has a real novel challenge for me. He started with some newspaper cuttings of a lady from the mid-20th century who had been in there had been some newspaper articles about her self-publishing some books. And also she had been photographed, and it was in the papers, playing uh, busking on the streets of London. And he wanted to know who she was. Turned out in the end she was using a pseudonym. It wasn't her real name. But we did discover who she was from various clues that I picked up. So I've now reached a point where I've done a full family history. Uh, we've looked at her will, and her will has come up with a few like some new names and some new pieces of information that we're tracing through to try and find out more about about it. I know that Mark is preparing, I'm not sure if he's writing a book or a newspaper article or something about it, about her, so I'm not going to give any more detail, but that's it's been fascinating to work on a completely different challenge, but really using many of the same research skills that I use for, for family history. Customer number four is Roz, and this is a very new customer just from the last couple of days, and for Roz, I'm doing a family history, but I'm trying a new approach, which I'm currently calling my light touch ancestry report. So I'm doing very much the same research as I would do for the full 30 or 40 page document, but I'm generating the document, more of it automatically through the software I use. And also I'm, I'm cutting back a little bit on the sidelines and the detail that I collect, but I'm still collecting most of the same material and it will get presented to Roz in a in a you know suitable format and it will still be quite a lot of material and i'm hoping that if this works that this will give me another way another another feather in my cap if you like but another way for me to tackle ancestry work which is able enables me to do a faster and therefore cheaper job for the customer and also therefore get more work from more customers at the same time and also offer a very price competitive point on a slightly slimmed down product, which I think may prove attractive to a lot of potential customers. Customer number five is Susan. This is quite a long, drawn-out piece of work. I, I suspect Susan might not feel I'm making progress, actually. Now, Susan is in America, and she has done some of her own research in the past and got back to, I think, with certainty, to the early 1800s or maybe the late 1700s, and then has a kind of a tentative link back to the UK, which has not all been proven. And so what, what I'm tasked with is attempting to prove the link from where she's got to to where she wants to get to, which is four or five, probably four or five more generations back. And that is it's difficult, difficult because the resources are thin on the ground, places to go to find that kind of information and to be certain the information is accurate, not just lifted off someone else's ancestry tree, for example. So that's ongoing. Customer number six is Ian. I did Ian's ancestry. In fact, I did his father's ancestry first and then his mother's. 
probably a year, best part of a year ago now, maybe maybe nine months ago. And one of the things he wanted me to do was to see if I could prove a link, which was sort of a rumour in the family, to the well-known bar, Scottish bard, Robbie Burns. I got very close to proving the link, but actually the final evidence I pieced together suggested that he's not related to Robbie Burns directly. Clearly he might be more distantly, but he's not directly related. Actually, it was through Robbie Burns's wife, but the same kind of thing applies. And I, and I left it there. But then in January this year, January the 25th, I think, is uh, Robbie Burns' day, Burns' night. And it came back to mind, of course, the work that I'd done. And I dropped Ian a line and said, look, I'm going to have another look. So that's a little bit on the back burner, but that is another piece of work that I am going to, going to revisit to try and draw out some more sources that might help us prove definitively one way or the other the connection to Robbie Burns. So those are my six main projects or main customers at the moment. As well as that, I'm working on three other kind of related, uh, family history related things at the moment. One of those is family DNA. So my I did my own DNA a couple of years ago or more, and I had my mum do hers last year. The big benefit of getting my mum's done, so for those of you not familiar with the DNA world, is that every remote cousin now, if I find a fourth cousin on on the website, incidentally, I'm using the the website 23andMe, although I am probably going to do an ancestry a DNA for myself quite soon, but I haven't as yet, because that will hit a population that's the largest population of uh, DNA customers in the world is the one on ancestry. But on 23andMe, I had, I had my mum's done, and that means now that when I see a fourth cousin, for example, is identified on the website, I can immediately tell whether that's a fourth cousin on my mum's side or my dad's side. In a future podcast, I'll go more into what, what the projects I'm doing on the DNA side for the family. But um, at the moment, my wife and uh, my daughter are both getting their DNA done, for example. Secondly, I have uh, dipped into uh, TikTok, the TikTok world, a little bit over the last 12 months. And I, in my view, it's matured. I think that is the right word. There's a lot more variety in certain themes coming out there that weren't there a year ago. Um, and in particular, one that struck me the other day was for a uh, a woman of 21 who is broadcasting on TikTok videos of her m- grandmother. Her grandmother is Agnes. And Agnes has dementia to some degree, and it's been both entertaining and heartwarming to see the granddaughter interacting with her grandma and what friends they are and all sorts of different topics come up in conversation. And I thought it would be really nice if I could maybe dip in and do a little bit of family history and send it to the TikTok uh, to a TikTok customer. So I'm working on that at the moment and going to surprise her with that in the next couple of weeks. And lastly, in terms of significant pieces of work, I'm currently building a website for a small business. This is through a family connection, but uh, somebody who wants to build a working from home business. And I've been building, uh, working on a website uh, for her. And I'm looking, I've been building it in WordPress for those of you you who care about the technical detail, which is a very common platform to use for websites. But I've also been experimenting in Wix. That's W-I-X, which you might have seen advertised, which is very much more drag and drop. Previously, in the last few years, when I've when I've uh, dabbled in building websites for various reasons, I've not found myself very 
drawn to the dra- drag and drop software packages such as Wix, such as Divi, maybe another example. And I found them quite clunky and quite hard to get into. I don't know if that was just me, but now I'm finding they're more, maybe they're more mature or maybe I'm just more used to the idea. I'm finding actually it works quite well. So I'm also building websites and I haven't done anything in terms of building genealogy websites so far, but I do, I have, I, I do have ideas in that area. And it is something that I would um, definitely like to get my hands into at some stage. Okay, I think that's enough for one podcast. So those are my the current six main projects and three less uh, sizable projects that I'm working on at the moment. And in future podcasts, I'm going to be talking about some of the projects in more detail, both current and previous projects, and some of the challenges I've hit and some of the ways I've used, methods I've used to get around the challenges. I would really be interested in your feedback uh, on, well, whether this is of interest to you as a listener and what else I might talk about that you would find interesting that's related to genealogy and researching your family history. If you've enjoyed my podcast, please hit subscribe. And I'd also appreciate it if you could take a few moments to leave a brief review on whichever podcast platform you're listening to me on today to let me know what you think. I really appreciate all the feedback, both positive and negative, because it helps me improve the content of my podcasts. And finally, if you love family history like I do, come along to my online community at www.genealogycafe.co.uk, where we share our family stories and where you can get help with your family history research from me and other members. And once again, My online community is at www.genealogycafe.co.uk. I'll be back soon with another instalment of the Genealogy Cafe podcast.